Today we'll finish up our story about Nikki, Sammy, and Tori surviving their monster of a mother, Shelly. And we'll also discuss more about Kathy's death, Shane's disappearance, and a new victim will come into the picture. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, hope we're doing good today. I promise you I'm not going to rant <laughs> at the beginning of this episode. Um, we're pretty much just going to jump right into it. We left off on episode one of Monster Shelly and it was July 94 and Kathy had just died and Dave was cremating her and disposing of her remains. So remember, while Dave was doing all of this with Kathy's body, Shelly had taken Shane and the girls to a motel. Tori at the time was about two years old, so she had no idea what was going on. By the time that they got home, um, the girls were wondering where Kathy was. Shane already knew because he witnessed Kathy pass away. But he kept that from the girls because he didn't want to ruin their uh, quote-unquote like get away from the house with Shelly. Eventually Shane does come out straight to Nikki and he says yeah uh, Kathy is dead. No I don't think anyone really ever tells Sammy but as she gets older she kind of realizes that something bad obviously happened because Shelly comes up with this cover-up for Kathy's disappearance because eventually Kathy's family starts looking for her and Shelly stays in contact with Kathy's family and puts up this act that Kathy met a guy named Rocky who was a long-distance truck driver and they fell so in love that Kathy just ran off with Rocky and is living her life. Shelly actually sent her family like a letter and it had a picture it was kind of blurry, so you couldn't really make out who was in it, but you could tell there was one male and one female, uh, like, posing as a couple, like, they're standing very close. And eventually, eventually, Kathy's mom and siblings, years later, are still like, where's Kathy? We haven't heard from her. When they call Shelly, she's like, yeah, I haven't really heard from her. She's, you know, off with Rocky, just so in love. And she plays this up for years. And even the sheriffs, like, start to show up at Shelly's house, and she just gives them the same old story. But her family's definitely concerned. Sammy, as I said, got suspicious when she got older. Nikki knew what happened. Shane witnessed it all. And Dave was unfortunately a part of it. So Shelly would, uh, like, aggressively quiz the kids on Kathy's disappearance. She would constantly, for years until she got caught, she would just randomly be like, so do you remember where Kathy went? And if they didn't answer how she wanted them to, they would go over it and over it and over it until they got it right. And over the years, she would get like super paranoid and she'd confide in Sammy that she thinks people are coming for her because of Kathy and... Sammy's like, I don't know what you're talking about. No one's asking about her besides the sheriffs that come to their house. What did really make 
Shelly paranoid shortly after Kathy's death was Shane. She, for some reason, had it in her head that Shane was going to run off and go tell the police everything, which Shane definitely wanted to run away. He was telling Nikki that he wanted to run away and you're either coming with me or you're staying. And one night, Shane disappeared. Nikki woke up the next morning and Shane was not around. Shelly all of a sudden came out and was like, look at this um, birdhouse and this note that Shane left me saying that he had to go and that he loved everyone. And Nikki thought this was weird because Shane hated Shelly. He put up the fake facade, obviously, so that he could survive in this household, but he absolutely hated Shelly. We'll come back to Shane's disappearance because it just goes on for years that no one has heard of him. Nikki and Sammy just both hoped that the story that Shelly comes up with eventually is true. So Shane's um, grandma Judy would call Shelly and ask to speak to him and she'd always say like, oh, you just you just missed him. Or stuff like that, like come up with excuses. So Judy was definitely getting worried because she hadn't heard from her grandson and his other maternal grandparents were also worried at the same time. Eventually, when Judy called and she would share this story to Nikki and Sammy, apparently Shane had run off in the middle of the night and went to Alaska to fulfill his lifelong dream of fishing. Judy just didn't believe that because she'd never heard Shane ever talk about that. And Nikki also was like, that's weird, but I'm just going to focus on that. Yeah, he's still alive because no one wants to envision someone who is essentially like a brother to her being dead. So now with Kathy and Shane gone, the abuse focuses back on Nikki and it just goes back to the same old stuff. Nikki eventually graduated high school and she hoped to get away and go to college, but Shelly never turned in any of the forms that needed to be turned in, never paid for anything, just didn't do anything to help her daughter attain that goal. Instead, Nikki was forced to do yard work from sun up until sundown. Like, seriously, from like 7 a.m. until 8 p.m. at night. And most of the time, Nikki would have to do all this yard work, like, in her underwear. And it's just weird. Shelly's thing with nudity is just kind of odd. Sammy and Nikki were obviously close. And Shelly didn't like that because she obviously knew that they had to be talking badly about her behind her back. So it eventually came to the point where Sammy and Nikki were not allowed to talk to one another unless Shelly was also in the room so that Shelly could monitor their conversation. And if they started talking about something that she didn't want them to talk about, it was, no, be quiet. Like, don't, don't talk. There then came a time when Nikki and Shelly had an altercation and Shelly was being, like, she was attacking Nikki, and Nikki finally had enough, and she pushed her mom. She was like, fuck this, I'm done, I am a grown-ass woman, leave me alone. And this scared the shit out of Shelly, because she then realized that Nikki is old enough to fight back. 
So she sent Nikki off to Dave's sister's house in Canada. And this is probably one of the best things that ever happened to Nikki to go live with her aunt Trish. She had a great time. She loved it. And Trish really wanted her to stay. But eventually Nikki did return back to Washington, not back to Shelly's household, but she did move back to Washington. Instead, she went to Oak Harbor where Dave was working. That's where his work site was. And she moved in with Dave because he would like spend the entire week at his work site and then drive home on the weekends while sending his entire paycheck to Shelly the whole time. So Nikki went and stayed with Dave. And because Dave had no money, because Shelly took it all, he lived in a tent. So they slept in Dave's tent and they got their food from food pantries. Through all of this, Dave still stood by his wife. He never suspected that there was any abuse, even though he watched Kathy deteriorate in front of his eyes. Even though he was mainly home on weekends, he definitely noticed that she was changing every single time he would come home. I just don't understand how he couldn't, couldn't put two and two together, but anyways, let's move on. So Nikki was done with Shelly. She does not ever move back in with her mom. And it was just Sammy and Tori. Tori's starting to grow up. She's a younger girl at this point. And in 97, Sammy was ready to graduate high school and wanting to move on to college. And she was also plotting her escape from Shelly's hands. So what she did is she talked with her friend Lauren and her friend Lauren was like, all right, so you're going to pack your stuff up in bags. When you and your mom leave to go to the store or something, I'm going to sneak into your house and grab your bags. And Sammy packed stuff up. Sammy and her mom left. Lauren snuck into the house, grabbed the stuff. And when Sammy got home, she went up to check in her room to see if the bags were still there. And when she saw that they weren't, she went downstairs and told Shelly that Lauren was having uh, car trouble or something and needed to go and help her. So Shelly said, okay, fine, that's fine. And Sammy left and... It would be a while before she would come back. So she went and she stayed uh, with Lauren for a little bit and then with her boyfriend. Uh, But then eventually she ended up in Bellingham, Washington with Judy because throughout this whole time, Nikki and Sammy still kept in contact. And when Nikki found out that Sammy had left, she was like, you should you should call Grandma Judy. And Grandma Judy took her in and this infuriated Shelly. <laughs> I think she was more concerned that these girls could tell somebody the things that Shelly did. And that's what goes to show like Shelly knows she's doing something wrong because she's so worried of letting her victims out of her grasp because of fear that they will say something. And she also fears of taking any of them to the doctor because she fears that a physician will notice all of the exterior marks on them and report Shelly to CPS. So this really made Shelly nervous, having both Sammy and Nikki out in the real world. And Sammy didn't talk to Shelly for a while. She eventually ended up sending her a letter. And during this time, Shelly and Dave were harassing Nikki and harassing like her job site and stuff like that. 
Shelly would like make Dave go to like her work and like sit out there and just kind of be creepy like watching her. Basically it was Shelly showing she knew where Nikki was and she was always within reach. And Nikki hated this you know that's not fair. She was she was worried like look at what she did to Kathy and that could be me. So she had to go through that. And all this time, Shelly, like, couldn't find Sammy, and she put it up to Dave to find Sammy, and one day, he found her, and they talked, and Sammy told Dave that the only way she will come back is if her mom turns in the paperwork for her to go to college. She basically blackmailed her mom. She was like, Shelly, I know about Kathy. I know what happened. There is no Rocky. I know she is dead. I will come home if you send me to college. At first, Shelly hesitated, but eventually she caved in because for all she knew, if she wouldn't, Sammy would have gone to the police. And that just made Shelly even more paranoid. So she eventually caved in. And once the college paperwork was sent in and tuition was paid, Sammy kind of moved back in home. So she lived in the dorms on campus, but she would come back on weekends and holidays and stuff. So it was pretty much just left Tori and Shelly to their own defenses. Because like I said before, Dave was never really home because of work. And as Tori got older and older, he would, he would, he would just stop coming home on the weekends as well. Because at this point, when Dave would be home, him and Shelly would just fight the entire time. So now it's just Tori and Shelly. And Shelly needs someone to abuse and to manipulate. And she starts by the same thing with Nikki and Sammy. Verbal verbal abuse, physical abuse, beatings. She would make um, Tori like do breast exams and Shelly would claim that it's to make sure that Tori is developing right which is just weird one way that she fucked with Tori psychologically was she would like steal her homework and like her homework papers and stuff and Tori would be looking for her assignments because she obviously needed to turn them in and Shelly was like oh well I guess you'll just have to do it again like what what a fucking dick move. That's so rude. Poor, poor Tori, like, all of these girls, you know. And she would even, like, quiz Tori on Kathy. And Tori would just say, like, I was two years old. I barely remember her. Like, she really didn't remember her. Like, she, there were photos of Kathy and stuff like that, but she was just too young to, like, have those core memories with Kathy. So, for the Shelly for the most part because remember she doesn't have a job all these years she never had a job Dave was the one sending the paycheck home but they were still always broke Shelly was going and taking loans out not tell she didn't tell Dave anything I mean it was the Shelly show and it'll probably always be the Shelly show for her anyways but Shelly I guess got bored enough to the point where she got a job as a caseworker at um, the Olympic Area Agency on Aging. And she was a shit employee. She got, like, talked to a lot, written up, like, all, all of that stuff. Eventually, she got fired. But 
while she was working there, she was helping a lady who had a bunch of cats and needed to get rid of the cats. And this is where she met Ron Woodworth because he loved cats and I believe he, I don't think he took them, but I think he helped find homes for them also. So Ron was a middle-aged man, great guy, really cool dude, recently divorced from his husband. Um, So his dad had died and his life started to go downhill and things got really bad in his marriage. Ron wasn't able to hold a job. And it just wasn't a good, he just wasn't in a good space. And unfortunately, him and his husband split. And Ron eventually went into financial distress because he just couldn't keep a job. He did end up losing his trailer in 99. But of course, Shelly was there and said, hey, Ron, you can move in. You know, I'll take care of you. It'll be great. You can help me around the house. Yada, yada, yada. So he moves in with Shelly and Tori and Tori and Ron are really close. It's like kind of like, you know, a niece, a niece uncle relationship. And it did not take long for Shelly to come out of the closet and show who she really is. When I say it didn't take long, it only took two weeks into Ron moving in. And she would, it started with like the verbal abuse, same with Kathy, like nothing he did was ever good enough. At the same time, she would dote on him and tell him that like he, she she was there to help him. But then like she would go back and she would like verbally abuse him, especially for being gay for whatever reason. She attacked him on that a lot. And it just, it's really sad. She was also feeding him the pills, of course. At this point, he did have a room. He stayed in Sammy's old room because Sammy was gone most of the time. So the space was open. But eventually, he just got moved to sleep on the floor in the computer room. And just like everybody else in the house, including Tori, no one was allowed to use the shower. And Ron was specifically instructed to do his business outside. As where, like, everyone else would have to, you know, ask for Shelly's permission. But then Shelly would go back and she would be mad at Ron for taking a shit in the yard. But it's like, where the fuck is he supposed to go then? It's really dumb. <sighs> so dumb. Eventually, the only um, food she would feed Ron was toast and water. She slowly took all of his things. Ron had like a lot of cool jewelry and stuff like that. And slowly his things would just start to disappear. Shelly forced him to harass her old job at the um, agency on aging. Like to the point where like Ron was told he needed to stop before the place would press charges. Just like Kathy over Ron's time being there, he started to deteriorate from, you know, malnutrition, being fed all kinds of drugs that he did not need. And, but it, it was, it was just really sad. Ron endeared everything that 
Kathy went through and he was forced to work in the yard all day just like Nikki was. And I think one of the most brutal punishments that Shelly made Ron do, and even Dave would partake in this one, is she would basically force Ron to, like, jump from the porch banister and sometimes the roof onto the gravel, like, pathway to the point where, like, Ron's feet were bleeding and, like, even, like, the soles of his feet would split open and start oozing. And then once she was done watching him do that and having Dave berate him, she would take boiling water and have him soak his feet in that along with bleach. Because remember, according to Shelly, bleach bleach heals all. He didn't get to stay in the computer room for long. Um, he got to occasionally sleep in the laundry room. But towards the end, he pretty much was just sleeping outside, which is really sad. Like, it's just so awful. I don't understand how you, like, can treat another human being like that. Especially people who you call friends and your own children and your own husband. I mean, it's just awful. Um, there was, like, this weird instance. So, Shelly met this old guy named Mac in the early early 2000s. She got so close to him that he writ her into his will. So in his will, all his entire estate and everything was left to his dog. But his dog was also super old. And once the dog would then pass, everything would go to Shelly, which was weird. So surprise, surprise, um, one day Mac dies from a fall from trauma to the head and and that was noted in his autopsy but it wasn't they didn't put it as like a suspicious death so it was never really looked more into and one thing that Shelly would do to fuck with Ron she would tell him that if the cops ever asked she would say that Ron killed Mac but, I mean, Shelly's never been charged with killing Mac. Technically, it's not an open case. It was an accidental death, so it was left at that. And she lied to the lawyers saying that uh, Mac's dog had died, but really she just, like, kept it tied up outside. Pretty sad, actually. Through all of this... It's now the early 2000s, around 2002. Shelly now has uh, Ron's whole estate, or sorry, Shelly now has Mac's estate. And she gets so tired of Ron that she eventually moves him into that house. Tells Tori that Ron is going to stay there for now and that Shelly would go and like check on him twice a day and bring him meals and stuff like that. But Tori was super concerned because from Tori's bedroom, she could see, like, the driveway and, like, Shelly's car never left. Like, she never left, but she would continue to tell Tori that she had just seen Ron that day and he was doing great. Because Tori was constantly asking, like, when can I see Ron? 
stuff like that because remember she loved ron like he was like an uncle to her so it's really sad and eventually shelly just told tori to stop asking and then one day she said that ron um left for tacoma to get a job and that was that so right after shelly had told tori that ron moved away to tacoma washington Shelly called Sammy and asked if Tori can come stay with her for a couple days in Seattle at her apartment. Sammy said okay, and this was the first time Tori had, like, ever stayed anywhere else, especially without Shelly. She was really uh, excited to see her sister, and Sammy was also really excited to see her. They were also going to meet up with Nikki because... After Nikki had left, Shelly just told Tori that Nikki was an awful person and just painted this really bad picture of her bigger of her older sister. And but Tori was just amazed when she saw Nikki and was just like, my mom has been feeding me these lies my whole life. And now, you know, they're you can't break that type of bond now. So eventually Tori and just Sammy were sitting in Sammy's apartment and Tori breaks down and tells Sammy everything. Obviously, Sammy got really upset because she hoped that Shelly was not abusing Tori the way that Shelly abused her and Nikki. And anytime that Sammy would ask Tori if anything's going on at home, Tori would just say everything was fine. So, Sammy obviously told Nikki, and that was when Nikki was like, I'm, we need to go to the police. And actually, I, I'm sorry, I forgot to mention that a little earlier, Nikki and Judy had gone to the police because Nikki shared everything that had happened with Judy, and they went to the police, and it took the police, like, a few years to even really start doing anything and they tried to contact Sammy to cooperate the story but Sammy was I mean she was terrified of her mom so she was afraid to answer and you know she said you know if the police come knocking on my door I'll tell them everything but finally years later when Sammy found out that Tori was also being abused her and Nikki agreed that they needed to get Tori out of there and get Shelly locked up so at first Sammy and Nikki were like okay I think we can wait a bit Tori's got just a few years until she graduates from school and she'll be okay she can make it Tori goes back to her mom's house after staying with Sammy and she's like Ron's not here it's everything's wrong I can't do this and she does call Sammy eventually and she tells her I can't do this I need to get out so finally Sammy and Nikki both go to the police and they tell them everything and it's enough to open a case with CPS So after they tell the police everything and Sammy corroborates everything that Nikki and Judy had told them in the previous years, 
it's go time. So the next day, I think it was the next day. Fuck, I should have. Sorry, I should have written that down. Um, it's either the next day or the day after. CPS came knocking on the door and they took Tori away and Shelly was freaking the fuck out because Shelly was sitting there super confused playing the whole like I don't know what's going on type thing and was just like I don't understand why they would take her I've never done anything wrong so CPS took her and Shelly was freaking out she called Sammy and Sammy played it off as if she knew nothing about it. She had called Dave and expressed the concerns. Oh, fuck. Ah, sorry, guys. I messed up. So, yes. Yeah, so, Tori went to Seattle. All of that happened. CPS did take her. But before CPS came and took Tori, I, for- I totally forgot to mention... Um. Obviously, Ron's whole story about Tacoma is not real. And Shelly called Dave on July 22nd, 2003 at 2 in the morning and tells Dave that he needs to come home immediately, which he can't because he needs to work. So he says that he'll be home that Friday. And deep down, he already knew what it was about because Shelly said, uh, something's going on with Ron and I need you home now. So that Friday, Dave gets home and he finds Shelly and Shelly takes him out to the pole building where somehow Shelly got Ron into Ron's body into the deep freezer. And she told Dave that he died from heat wave from being on the porch. So Dave then knew that it was up to him to dispose of Ron. Um, at this point in the area, they had a burn ban, so he couldn't cremate Ron the way he did Kathy. But so instead he dug a grave and covered it with some branches and leaves so that it wasn't obvious that it was like a fresh grave or like fresh dug up ground. And he then planned to cremate Ron the way he did Kathy once the burn ban was lifted. Dave did that with Ron. But by the time CPS came to get Tori, that burn ban hadn't been lifted. So Ron was still in the backyard when CPS came to take Tori. And Dave came home because obviously after Tori got taken, Shelly was freaking out and neither Dave nor Shelly knew what was going on. They would call and they would get no answers. So Dave finally went down to the police station to see if he could find out what's going on with Tori. So he gets there and... They don't really talk about Tori much. Instead, they interview him and they start asking questions about Kathy and Ron. He didn't say anything. He just kind of kept quiet, didn't tell them anything about it, and then told the officers that he needed to go use the restroom. So a police officer escorted him to the restroom. And when he got there, he broke down to that officer and started talking 
So the officer brought him back to the room and Dave then spills everything. And this is when it comes out that Shane did not run away to Alaska. Dave shot Shane with a rifle. Because Shelly got so paranoid that Shane was going to tell someone about Kathy and she had found out that Shane had photos of Kathy before she passed and these photos showed the condition that Kathy was in. Shelly never found those photos no matter how hard she tried she couldn't find them and she basically convinced Dave to take care of the quote-unquote problem of Shane and manipulated Dave enough to the point where he took his rifle and went out and shot and killed Shane and disposed of him the exact same way he did with Kathy and that was that so he just spilled his guts about that to the officers and this is obviously enough for them to get a search warrant to search the property of Shelly Notech and Dave's house. And they obviously notice this fresh, dug up, disturbed earth. And of course, they start digging and they find Ron. After doing the search and after Dave spilling everything, everything that he did, everything going on with Shelly, Shelly is obviously arrested and Dave pleads guilty to second degree murder of Shane. He's also charged with unlawful disposal of a corpse, rendering criminal assistance, Dave spent 15 years in prison and he got out in 2016 and has just been kind of laying low since then. Shelly claimed her innocence to this day, still claims she's innocent with, I mean, Tori talking about the abuse, Sammy and Nikki, all of those testimonies and everything just painted the picture of who Shelly really was. But Shelly refused to see that and she refuses to admit it. And the thing is, Shelly recognized, though, that there was all this evidence against her and it looked really bad for her. And she realized, like, she's fucked. And on June 18th, 2004, she took an Alfred plea, an Alfred plea of guilty, which if an Alfred plea is basically saying it like, so it's basically acknowledging that the state has enough evidence against you and a judge or a jury will most definitely find you guilty, but you still, um, keep with your whole innocence, innocence, you still keep up with your whole innocent appearance, but you're still guilty and you're still going to prison. When the judge and the prosecution and all that, when they gave her this deal, they made it very clear for her. They spelled it out. This is what it all means. This will be your sentence. 
I mean, they made it very clear to her. And the judge specifically asked in court five separate times if she understood the Alfred plea of guilty and if she agreed to the guilty plea. All five times, Shelly agreed, she understood, and she accepts. Okay, so Shelly was sentenced August 14th, 2004 to prison. Um, in after 18 years, um, well, I guess just a little under 18 years, she will be eligible for parole in June of 2022. Fingers crossed that she's, uh, is rejected because, I mean, if she's still playing this whole innocence game, I sure as hell hope the parole board's like, well, you don't recognize what you did was wrong everything yada 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 no way we're letting you out along with um yeah i believe that the victims can speak at those hearings so i she's up for it i hope she doesn't get it but come june 2022 we will find out so it's funny because i had said that she was asked five different times in court if she understood her plea But yeah, in 2006, she appealed her guilty plea, claiming that she did not understand and that her lawyer misled her. The court withheld her sentence and the judge was like, we it was thoroughly explained to you and you were asked multiple times if you understood and agreed. And that is that Shelly has not had a great time in prison. She thinks that she's being treated unfair and that things are being taken from her and she's just a big old baby and a big old whiner. So I hope she absolutely rots in there for the rest of her life. She, I don't think there is any salvaging this woman. Um, I think even if she went to a, um, even if she went to like, a psychiatric hospital for years and years I just don't think I don't think there's any saving her because she still won't accept the actual guilt and she won't say what she did so I just there's no coming back from that I believe that some people can be rehabilitated but in this case of um monster Shelley I don't think that's possible And I think she absolutely deserves to sit in prison for the rest of her life for the things she did to her daughters and the things that she did to Kathy Loreno, Shane Watson, and Ron Woodworth. Their lives were taken way too soon, especially Shane's. All three of them had so much more life left, and it's just really unfortunate that in Shelly's grasp, and she took advantage of all of them like this. This is really a tragic story, and in June, I will update everyone most definitely to see if Shelly does get out or if she doesn't. I wish nothing but the best for Nikki, Sammy, and Tori, and I I hope that they 
I hope that they get to live really good lives. And I know some of them have families and that's awesome for them. Some kids, that's great. I hope Dave can find a little bit of peace. Obviously, the things that he did were wrong. He can at least recognize that they were wrong. And one way to look at it is Dave would have never done the things that he did if it wasn't for Shelly. So it's just really unfortunate, like, Anyone who came into contact with this woman or started a relationship with this woman just there they had no they had no idea what they were in for. And it's really scary that there are people out there like Shelly who can show what a great person they can be, but deep down they're just this garbage can of a human being who thinks it's all about them and they can treat people however they choose. So it's unfortunate that this all went on for as long as it did. I hope that Kathy, Shane, and Ron are resting easy and finally get some peace. Sorry that uh, (laughs) the story is just such a downer. It really is tragic, but... It's one that should be told, especially because Shelly does have a chance of getting out. So it's definitely a name to keep talking about. And it's definitely good to talk about the victims. Uh, so always remember Kathy Loreno, Shane Watson, and Ron Woodworth. And the survivors, Nikki, Sammy, and Tori. Let me know what you thought of this episode. I know I'm I'm still learning, guys. I hope one day I'll be better. I hope you all still find me interesting. <laughs> I hope you have a great week. Take it easy and stay safe, my friends. Thanks for listening to Oh, There's a Crime. Intro and outro music by Darren Curtis. Check out his music at darrencurtismusic.com. Cover photo by Fancy Crave One at pixabai.com. Thank you.